Welcome to an episode of the podcast Art Insiders New York. My name is Anders Holst. The theme of the podcast is New York, with a focus on behind-the-scenes conversations with fascinating people who are making an impact in the world of art, design, and architecture. I, like many of you, have design newsletters coming in on a daily basis. Among all of them, there is always one that stands out, and that is Design. Launched in 2006 by Marcus Fares, Design, a combination of design and magazine, has 2.5 million monthly users and is widely regarded as the most influential and popular design website in the world. This year, Design announced their first ever awards program, celebrating the world's best architecture, interiors, and design. Marcus himself has won numerous awards over the years and he is the first digital journalist to be awarded an honorary fellowship of the Royal Institute of British Architects. So how do you build a website like Design? How do you stay on the cutting edge? Why is it important to compete in design? Many questions and here's some answers from a phone interview with Marcus, who lives and works in London even though Design has an office in Manhattan. Hello? Is this Marcus? Yes, it is. Hi. Yes, hi, it's Anders here. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Well, welcome, welcome to the show, and and thank you so much for for doing this. No problem. So, how is London? London is hot. We've had um, about four weeks of constant sunshine, which is not what you think about when you think of London. But yeah, we're enjoying a long, hot summer. Congratulations to the World Cup. You beat Sweden, among other teams. Yes, we did okay. We weren't expected to do too well, so um, semi-final is pretty good. Yes, and more to come, I guess. Marcus, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into this. Well, I was a very late starter. I I was one of those people that didn't know what they wanted to do at school, and I ended up doing design as a degree course, um, but clearly wasn't cut out to be a designer, so I traveled the world a bit. Um, and then came back to London when I was approaching 30 and thought I'd better get a career together. But the thing that I'd always been good at on my design course was writing about design. So I did a postgraduate journalism course. And um, then I wanted to be a travel writer, actually. But I got I got offered a job on an architecture magazine straight out of as soon as I finished my um, journalism course. And then never looked back. So that was about uh, 20 years ago, I guess, I oh got my, my first journalism job. And uh, the milestones on the way, you were heading the Icon magazine? Yeah, so I started out working on trade magazines, and then I got headhunted to launch Icon, which was a monthly, uh, still going actually, a monthly architecture and design magazine, Yeah. which in hindsight, that was 2003. So that was the kind of the golden era of print magazines. Little did we know that the internet was just around a corner and was going to sweep everything away. Yes, that's right. And you also written a book, 21st Century Design, and uh, that has played a role in this as well, I guess. Yes, so that was my first book. It was a summary of all the what I thought was the best architecture, design, and interiors from the 21st century, which was um, only a few years old at the time I wrote it, but <laughs> still plenty to talk about. But yes, the book inadvertently got me fired from my job at Icon. Oh. Uh, it's a, it's a How was that? Story, but I, I, well, I didn't think I didn't think to clear the book with my bosses, and then when it came out. <laughs> They went a bit crazy and um, fired me. But that's why Design came about, because I thought, okay, I, I can do this. I had this internet idea. Wow. I'd seen the internet emerge as a, as a platform for discussion and, and publicizing architecture and design. And I thought, 
um, that might be a good thing for me to try out. I don't understand why they fired you. This, they should have looked upon that as a, an asset. And also, you know, they could have been uh, with you for the next step of, of the journey here. But I'm very glad they did fire me because I don't think I would have, although I'd had this idea before, before I got fired, I don't think I would have pushed myself. I, I don't think I would have jumped um, voluntarily into launching it, of taking that risk without being pushed. I see. So Dezine started as a, a, a blog. Uh, I, I went back to the website in 2007. Is, is that correct? We started at the end of 2006, November 2006, yes, and in those days it was just a very simple, basic WordPress blog with no design um, qualities to it at all, um, but I had great content because I had all the connections I'd made during my journalism career until yeah. then, so I knew lots of architects and designers who sent me good stuff, so even though the site wasn't very beautiful, the stuff on it was beautiful. Yeah. And then I got a big break after a couple of weeks when I, I went to Miami for Design Miami and bumped into Kanye West at a garden party. Wow. And um, persuaded him to give me the exclusive on his new New York apartment. Wow. Which was, <laughs> which was the first story that ever went viral on the scene. <laughs> um, so I have to thank Kanye as well for wow. inadvertently helping me along. Well, that's, that's, that's a wonderful story. So, so what, uh, what other viral stories uh, do you have? What is the top three, if Kanye West is one of them? Well, that was in the early days. If you were to look at the numbers now, that would be um, not, not such a, not such a, a big <laughs> hit. But I, I don't know what the most viral stories are, but um, stories about Donald Trump were very popular last year. Yeah. You know, all of his wall initiatives and things like that. Yeah. Sex is always very popular. Whenever you write about a sex toy or something like that, Interesting. it's usually pretty popular but but generally the thing that's most popular is architecture people yeah. love reading about and looking at pictures of amazing contemporary avant-garde architecture yes and i was just going to ask you that how do you find all these wonderful uh, ideas and and pictures and photos and, and things like that i mean it's like um uh, you know it's uh, an incoming call her and and accept hello marcus sorry about that we, we, oh, no worries. we got it disconnected here. This is, this is the nature of live, live recording. But um, anyway, so we're back. So we talked about the wonderful content that you have on the website. So how do you, how do you keep uh, on the cutting edge here? How do you find all these wonderful ideas uh, that is uh, attracting to your, to your users? H how does that work? Well, actually, a lot of what we publish just gets sent to us. So we have a submissions email address, and stuff comes in every day. I mean, too much of it is incredible, actually. We get hundreds of submissions every day. So the, a large part of what we do is diligently sort through the submissions and prioritize them. Hmm. But of course, besides that, we're always at events and fairs and conferences and always scouring you know, social media and the news and everything like that. And, talking constantly in the office about things and um, figuring it out. So I think there's, um, there's a kind of strategic way we operate, which is we I try and identify um, topics that are of emerging importance, like at the moment drones is something we're writing about a lot in the past, 3D printing and yeah. you know, robots coming into architecture, hmm. very, very much often tech, tech trends are the big ones at the moment. But then just the day-to-day, -day, the flow of keeping up the kind of constant flow of beautiful, uh, innovative, uh, avant-garde projects. I see. And you also have a, an interest in the transportation solutions. I've seen that on many articles, uh, sort of fast trains and uh, other interesting sort of visionary projects. 
Yes, we, we very much try and cover the avant-garde and, and future-facing sides of architecture and design. And of course, you know, the, the problems that the world faces ha- have, a, have a design dimension to them. So getting from A to B, yeah. transportation, um, is, is, a, is a big design problem, both in terms of the vehicles themselves, whether they be cars or trains or planes or drones or whatever, but also the the, the, the network, the, the railways, the hyperloop solutions, the airports, the, the road networks. I mean, obviously, driverless cars is a huge topic as well at the moment. Yeah. So that's an important part of your mission. I don't know if you have a mission statement, but that would be a part of your sort of concern and a part of your interest to, to, to um, sort of stimulate ideas that has to do with solving these uh, bigger issues, correct? Yes, I mean, our mission is to be the most influential and popular design website in the world. And, and, and popularity is just about numbers, but influence is, is a little bit more complex because influence is about spotting things that you think are important, um, reinforcing their importance, and then hoping that other people <laughs> agree with you. Absolutely. Um, so the, the most recent example of that was, was drones. We made a, a like an 18-minute video documentary about how drones are going to change cities and that was very much us putting our kind of putting ourselves on the on on the in the firing line of of prediction of what's going to happen in the future that's wonderful i also read the article about the renovation of your office space and store you have something you have a, a, a passion for watches how did that come about well, we actually closed the watch store down a couple oh. of years ago. It, no, no, was it last? I think it was a year ago. Okay. But we, we, in, we were always when when Dazeen started, it was a, it was a blog that was that published stuff but didn't have any business model. So we always were trying to figure out what the business model would be. So we launched a um, a jobs a recruitment board, which we still have. Yeah. We published some books, which we stopped doing now because it's a lot of hard work. We did a few pop-up shops, and then we we launched our own e-commerce store selling designer watches because mm-hmm. at the time, people, there was a lot of um, young design brands launching their own watches, but there was no way that you could buy them. Yeah. So we, we developed a platform for that. But to be honest, it was a lot of fun, and it went quite well for about five or six years, but it just became a distraction from our core mission, which is editorial, and also we were competing against you know, Amazon and, you know, the Apple Watch and things yeah. like that. And it just, that space got a little bit crowded. Yeah. So we decided to stick to what we're best at, which is editorial. That sounds wonderful. So what is your role at Design uh, today? And, and uh, is it the same as in the beginning or has, has the sort of the content of your work, has it changed over time? Oh my God, it's changed dramatically. I mean, initially it was just me. Design was me. Yeah. And um, it, it wasn't making any money in the early days, so I was, had to limit the amount of time I spent on it. So I would spend an hour a day on it. But I was very much the writer, so I was, um, you know, writing the text and yeah. cropping the images in Photoshop and uploading everything myself. But now we employ um, over 30 people, We've got about 30 here in London, and then a small team in New York, editorial team in, in New York. So my role now is I would say as a cross between CEO and creative director, so coming up with new ideas, um, new concepts, keeping an eye on the quality of what we do, but also just running the running the business, really. Yeah. Now, you launched the, uh, the Design Award. Now, do we need another award? Why is this important? <laughs> One of the reasons we didn't 
launch it earlier, yeah. we've been going 11 and a half years now, is because we, we felt the same way. It's like there are loads of awards programs. What, what can we add to that world that's different? Whenever we do something, we want it to be unique or, or never been done before, and yeah. you can't say that about an awards program. But um, if you look at all the, the awards programs that are out there for architecture and design, I mean, most of them have a flaw. The floor is often that they're very, very expensive to enter. Yeah. Or that they have a you know, a ceremony that's kind of boring or that they um they they charge you to be in the book or they um they, they're simply not international enough. They're very kind of for a particular country or whatever. I see. So we thought with our global reach and our audience and our sort of basically our raw marketing power hmm. it would be interesting to launch an awards program and make make it really really cheap so very very accessible for people to enter and i tell you what it's been so successful and <laughs> sounding a bit weary it's because we're going through all the long listing process now yeah and oh my god the, the quality is astonishing i mean i was looking at um, some of the architecture categories and we've got 300 plus entries per category which are all amazing so having to go through all of them and oh my make sure every, everyone gets a fair a fair chance and a fair um, amount of time with the judge's attention. So do you have a jury for all those 30 categories or do you have one sort of um, board that will review all of them? Okay, so the, in the in the long listing stage which we're in now, that, that's the editorial team at Dazeen. So me and the editors are going through and you know basically um, selecting ones that will be put forward to the judges. And we have 75 judges who are mostly practicing architects and designers. I mean, super high profile people like wow. David Adjay and um, Patrizia Moroso and um, um, Amanda Levite and you know, international people of, of very, very high caliber. And they will each be assigned two categories each and there'll be, I think there's five judges per category. Hmm. So that's how that's how we're doing that up, and then they will and then they will all um, judge independently of each other, so they won't know who they're giving, who the other people are giving top marks to, mm-hmm. and that will all come back to us. And then we will we haven't chosen our master jury yet, but from those seventy five, we'll choose a bunch of people wow. who will then oversee the second, the third phase of the judging, which will be to ratify the decisions that have been made so far, make sure that the short lists are coherent and correct, and then choose the overall winners, what we're calling the um, the ultimate award, so that will be the architecture project of the year, the design project of the year, wow. and the interiors project of the year, and, and the best architect of the year, and the best designer, and so on. So and, and what is the, the deadline? When, when are we going to, um, when is this all going to be revealed? So the award ceremony is in London on 27th of November. Oh. Um, so still a few months away, but we'll be announcing the shortlist, I think, in about a month's time, wow. mid-August, something like that. So hopefully that's when all of the people on the shortlist will start thinking about coming to London and um, being there for the big party. That's wonderful. Very exciting. Uh, any events? So we, had over, we had over three and a half thousand entries. It's really astonishing. <laughs> I mean, really astonishing. Wow. The first year. So any any uh, events in, in, in New York uh, for our listeners to attend uh, while this is going on? We do a lot of events in New York, actually. We do a lot of talks there and parties and, and so on and so forth. We won't be doing a, an event in New York for the awards this time because we're going to focus it all in London. But I can tell you that we've had a lot of conversations about holding the awards in New York next year. Yeah. 
So that might be something to look out for. But the times when we're most active in New York tend to be around ICFF in May. So we're always, yeah. the, the London crew flies out there. Yeah. Um, we've been doing a few events with ADO over in um, Greenpoint. So um, that's somewhere where we pop up every now and then. Mm. And increasingly, LA, actually, we've, um, we've, we've found a little niche in Los Angeles, so we're doing a few things out there at the moment as well. Oh, that's interesting. So we'll have to keep, uh, keep an eye on, on what's happening here for our New York-based listeners. Yeah and, yeah, and you mentioned earlier about the newsletter. So if people sign up to the newsletter at yeah. www.dazeem.com, yes. um, that's how to find out about what we're up to. That's wonderful. So uh, what do you think is behind uh, this incredible sort of exponential interest in art and design? I mean, if you live here in New York, for instance, you have the art fairs, you have the auctions, you have um, uh, the month of May that's filled with design, uh, NYC by design and so on. What, what do you think explains uh, this incredible interest in the sort of latest five to ten years? Yeah, I think there's a few things that are going on. I think one is that you know the the, the global economy has been bouncing back, um, but it's it's tougher than it was before. So particularly in real estate, for example, having some design flair in your condo project or whatever whatever can make the difference. You know, people have realised that design, good quality design, is both creates a, a more desirable product, but also to be honest, it creates marketing power. So if you've got a you know Herzog and Demuron or you know David Adjay or something behind your building, it's it suddenly elevates it to a, a distinct level. Um, but then also design is just so beautiful. So it the whole rise of the internet has helped fuel more and more interest in architecture and design because it just looks great on the screen. To be honest, yeah. um, so design has come out of the ghetto of <laughs> of of trade-driven, professional-driven publications. Yeah. Architecture design never really made it mainstream in the media. It never really got much space in you know, the New York Times or the, the London Times or the TV channels because it's a little bit hard to talk about and it was, you know, often was talked about in a quite a pretentious way. But the rise of digital media has kind of democratized the, the space of debate and people, just people, love, people love it. People just love engaging with architecture but without having to engage with the the phony bullshit that often becomes part of that architectural conversation, and even and now even more recently, of course, social media has now has now taken off on top of um, the internet, and so you know so much of Instagram is about people sharing their lifestyles, and, and there's a very very strong design element to to lifestyle. Yes, I saw that 75 percent of younger. Um, collectors or people interested in art uh, actually go to Instagram for inspiration. So Instagram has uh, has is an incredible force here to reckon with. Yeah, it's capturing the conversation in, in quite a serious way because architects are now being told by clients that the most important thing about their new hotel or restaurant or whatever it is to make it Instagrammable. <laughs> you know, they need to have Instagram moments. So, so Instagram is, is both spreading the word about architecture and design, but also changing the nature of architecture and design. That's very interesting. You have uh, collaborations with, uh, I saw CNN and Samsung and other. Uh, what, is, what is the idea behind those uh, collaborations? Is it to sort of further leverage your marketing efforts? Uh, could you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I guess there's two different types of collaborations. Like We did a um, collaboration with CNN Spa where they really loved our content and wanted to share it on their platform. And of course, CNN style is part of CNN, which is massive. So that's good for us because it exposes 
is our content to a, a bigger audience. But of course, we're a business as well, so we have to generate revenue. And one of the key ways we do that is we collaborate with brands. So we have a great relationship with Samsung, for example, with Mini. We're doing a big project with Adidas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we do commercial projects with those brands, but they're not marketing or advertising projects. They come to us to create content. So we create high-quality content about what they're doing in, in the design space give that our editorial voice, give that our editorial integrity, and then push it out through through our website and through our social media channels. And in that way, then those brands get some exposure to, to our audience, but also through our tone of voice. So we're not making, like I said, we're not making commercials for them. We're telling people about the brand or the product through interviews, through good um, videography, through good journalistic techniques. I see. So, so where, where do you go for inspiration in your job? I mean, what, what, what are you most passionate about in, in this whole wide range of uh, ideas and uh, topics and photos and everything that comes across your table? What is your personal passion? Well, I must admit, my personal passion is for journalism and for digital media. So I love what I do. I love... The, the, the job of a journalist is to absorb information from the world around them and then process it and package it and put it back out to the world in a kind of coherent and sort of um, uh, directional way. I, I love that most of all. But in architecture and design and, and the, all of the visual arts, I mean, I'm a kind of a really a, a sort of street-level person. I love just walking around cities and following my nose and yeah. looking up and taking pictures. And I, I love the kind of informality of, of, of that kind of experience, experience of a city and experience of objects in a city. I see. Um, rather than, you know, like making pilgrimages to famous buildings and, and famous museums, I just I like to just wander around. Hmm. So, so what is your personal vision for Dezine uh, in the future here? What are the next step? Any new exciting ventures on the on the horizon that you can talk about? Well, I think that the, the, so the current big push is the awards. So that's, that the, that's been a success already, judging by the number of people that have entered. And we, we have to get through the, to the end of the year and the ceremony to take a view on that. But in terms of what else could, could and should Dezine do, um, we're always looking for things that we can apply our brand to that make sense in the architecture and design world. And so I think a conference would be an obvious thing, like mm-hmm. to have a big gathering of people where everyone comes together in a city and listens to really inspirational speakers and, you know, kind of contentious debate and really yeah. um, an event where we really try and sort of point the direction of the future. So I think that's something we might explore next year. Um, we're always very, very interested in, in video. It's always been a strong thing for us. So I told you about the drone documentary. That yeah. was the first time we've made a longer form um, documentary uh, at 18 minutes. And I think we'll do more of that. So we'd love to see Dezine making, you know, series for Netflix or hmm. Amazon Prime or something like that. That's wonderful. That's a bit harder to achieve, but that's <laughs> definitely something we'd like to try and pull off. Well, I mean, if you're considering the, the, the speed you're traveling in, that's, that's uh, next year then. Uh, <laughs> let's give it three to five years, shall we? <laughs> give ourselves some, some breathing space. But no, but that, one, of our, one of our core skills is to, is to interpret the world of architecture and design in a, in a way that is comprehensible to, to everyone. So we, we apply that through the website, we apply that through social media, through our newsletters, 
you know, what other platforms might we be able to, to choose? And obviously, more traditional length TV content is one of those ways. Yeah. Well, it's going to be very interesting. I saw in your uh, bio that you're also involved with Pecha Kucha. Is that how you pronounce it? What is that? Okay, Pecha Kucha. Pecha Kucha is a, is a presentation format that originated in Japan about 15, 16 years ago. Um, basically, it's a format where speakers get to show 20 slides, and each slide is only on screen for 20 seconds. So uh, it was invented by uh, a friend of mine in, in Tokyo called Mark Dyson, and the reason he invented this format was because architects, if you give them a keynote presentation and a clicker, then they'll tend to waffle on for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> so he came up with a way of keeping it short and keeping it regimented. That should be applied really across the line. <laughs> Sorry? That should be applied across the line for everybody who's got yeah, a yeah, kick no, in Absolutely, head. yeah, yeah. And, and, and it has been, Petrocucci has been a huge success around the world and companies often use it now for their, you know, their away days rather than letting the managing director just drone on. They give them a, a pre-programmed Petrocucci slot. So uh, me and, and, and a friend of mine called Max Fraser were, were the first people to bring Petrocucci to the UK. So this was a long time ago mm. now, to be honest. We haven't been involved since then. But yeah, that that's one of the the, the things that I did um, before Dazine started and around the same time that Dazine started was to run these kind of events where architects and designers and artists would, would present their work and their ideas to audiences in this kind of super regimented Petrocucha mm. format. Petrocucha, by the way, is a Japanese phrase for chit-chat. Chit-chat. That's very interesting. Well, um, Marcus, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, uh, really. It was very, very nice of you and... Uh, Uh, I'm very inspired by your website. I think it's wonderful, and it's, uh, everything you do is, is fantastic. And I, I wish you the best of luck. And thank you so much as well for, for the interest. Thank you, thank you, Marcus. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is Art Insiders New York, and my name is Anders Holst. Thank you for listening, and be sure to visit artinsidersnewyork.com to join the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of the Art Insiders New York. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This episode was produced by UIM LLC, copyright 2019.